0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Have you gotten drama yet?
0: Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, Thanksgiving time. Lots to be thankful for time. Lots and lots to be thankful for time. Certainly more thankful in so many ways than we were last year time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. The West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thanksgiving day, at least as you're, as you're listening to this, unless it's, you know, maybe it's not Thanksgiving where you are, because it could be Friday, you know, it could be Saturday, it could be Thursday, but you're not in the United States, you're not American, Thanksgiving's not a big thing for you, but for most of us, and for us, I suspect most of y'all listening to this, it is Thursday, so happy Thanksgiving to you, hope you're doing well hope you're spending it with your family your friends your loved ones hope everything is going well hope everybody's safe which is always something that you hope for this day and age coming to you from Fort Worker Studio just a couple miles away from Neyland Stadium where Tennessee will play Vanderbilt in a regular season finale on Saturday. 3 45 p.m eastern interesting time on the kickoff there lots to discuss in this episode got tennessee vandy football got some potential ball stuff we got uh, a lot of tennessee basketball to discuss and if we're combining football and basketball and holiday cheer you know there's only one place we're gonna go uh, and that's to the uh the blunt county satellite office of go 24 uh, 7 down in merville and get to the one and the only grant ramey grant what's up
1: west has me uh What's the word I'm looking for here? Held hostage, uh, keeping me away from my Thanksgiving turkey, all that stuff. So if you're listening to this, alert the authorities.
0: Yeah, send help. Please send help. Quick, Grant, before we get in, into this, what is the uh, – rank the uh, top two or three Thanksgiving side dishes in, in your, your family,
1: your household, how, when, when you all have Thanksgiving? Uh, broccoli casserole, Brussels sprouts, collard greens. I woke up and I woke up and chose violence.
0: Yeah, no, th- those are two two of those three would be mine because I would have for
1: sure. Okay, never mind. I'll I take it back. I, I take it back.
0: I have sweet potatoes as the number one overall seed
1: for That's sure. Dessert. Uh,
0: and uh, although I, I always thought growing up that my mom and dad made great sweet potatoes and, and sweet potato casserole. And then I had my mother in laws, and I was like, Mom and dad, y'all are trash. <laughs> and so now my mother-in-law makes the sweet potatoes uh for for Thanksgiving for and for Christmas and all that because they are they are better sorry mom and dad uh y'all y'all do great things but uh you don't do sweet potatoes as well as she does those are number one for me number two might be the brussels sprouts uh, they're they're really really good and number three uh I'm gonna go with uh dad's stuffing that's what I'm gonna go with
1: it's really really good he does Thank- every Thanksgiving. Year. Thanksgiving changed for me when I learned how to fry turkey, opposed as opposed to eat just normal oven turkey. Uh, that that was the that was the line drawn in the sand for me for Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, we're, we're, sometimes I've had them before, like on the big green egg, and and there's lots of awesome ways you can you can do turkey. I'm really really looking forward to it, especially looking forward to watching the Detroit Lions play again. You know that's always great.
1: And the Chicago Bears. And it's it's two backup quarterbacks too. It's not even starting I, quarterbacks. I, I, so.
0: I wasn't gonna mention that the Bears
1: were playing. The, I was gonna leave that up two, to you to make that decision. The two franchises, uh, as a Bears fan, let me go ahead and apologize on behalf of of both franchises <laughs> and, and for what's in store for America here.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be a, gonna be an interesting day for the for, for the Bears. But you know they're playing the line, so so you never know. also a fun egg bowl. Uh, you know, lots and lots of good stuff, of course. You know, you think about the South. You know what do you think of? You think of uh, you, you think of family. You think of football, and uh, in a lot of places, you think of faith. The three F's, and uh, that's uh, all. The, a lot of these things get to come together on Thanksgiving. It's a great time, and I know that it wasn't so long ago that last year, you know, it, it was just it was tough. It was you know, can, can we do this? Can we do that? Should we do this? Should we do that? What what's what's the deal here? A lot of people. Played it on the safe side. Now you know when, when I'm making the list of things that I'm thankful for, man. The people who made those, the the, the scientific giants who made those uh, mRNA vaccines, and, and just all the healthcare workers out there who have done so much for us in the past year, to the point where even we, we still got to be a little safe, but but we can have more of a more of a regular Thanksgiving. I mean, my entire family, you know, is is, is vaccinated both sides, so we all you know get to be together, and and it's it's just awesome because it's just you know, because uh, my wife and I should be, you know, expecting a baby sometime, in, time in the next week or so, and and so it's a really exciting time, and we all get to be together, and it's, it's awesome, so if you are listening out there, and you are someone in the uh, scientific or, or medical communities, thank you, thank you, thank you, from the bottom of my heart, at least, for for everything that y'all have done, it's been it's been awesome, and it, it, we can never stop saying thank you. And to the teachers who have who have kept teaching kids, and we we just have a lot of reasons to be thankful. You know, we we could talk about, and we will spend most of this episode talking about Tennessee football and basketball. And obviously, football. There's a lot more to be thankful for with Tennessee football than there was a year ago. But before we get into all that, I just felt compelled to say thank you again. I I, I just don't think. And knock on wood, we never have to go through anything else like this, uh, to this extent. But you know, we have, and it's been awful and terrible, and so many families have been so unfortunate. And mine has has mostly been blessed through this whole thing. And just thank you to those people. I mean it. Thank you, thank you, thank you for everything that you've done for all of us. But Grant, speaking, you, of, oh, go ahead.
1: You know, you know what my family's not thankful for tennessee what? basketball scheduling a tournament the weekend before thanksgiving so it's like why are you here like <laughs> yeah. what's going on yeah. like my facebook memories from three years ago popped up it was like the preseason and i see in new york and my facebook memories from five years popped up uh, five years ago popped up it was the maui invitational in maui and now it's just like wait uh you're gonna be here what's what's going on here
0: yeah wait i have to see everybody what's going yeah. on here what's
1: my my, what's the deal? my body clock's all messed up i don't know what day it is i don't know where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do, how I'm supposed to interact with these people.
0: Yeah, that is weird because this year, you know, they're they're doing the whole. Uh, they did the tournament last weekend in, in Connecticut, so they did it a week early, and we'll talk about that in the second segment. Uh, but but you know, they're and they're going to go play in the gym, you know, in the, uh, you know, in the classic in Texas Tech and Madison Square Garden here later. You know, they're going to be playing Memphis and Nashville, so they're going to be playing a lot of these neutral site games. But this year, they just didn't do one of those sort of big marquee Thanksgiving feast week tournaments. They did it a week early.
1: I will shout out the Hall of Fame Tip-Off Classic uh, or Tip-Off Tournament, whatever the name was, at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Uh, There's a lot of crappy Thanksgiving Feast Week tournaments where there's nobody in the gym. It's, It's like a ghost town. There's no atmosphere. But between Villanova, Tennessee, Purdue, and North Carolina, those two games or those two days of basketball, Legit, it felt like an NCAA tournament regional side. It was a great tournament, really cool. We can get into all of that later, but it was a really awesome tournament.
0: Yeah, and Tennessee decided to play one game uh, of the of those two games, but uh, we'll, we'll have more on that later. But I suppose, Grant, the, the 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 first things first, you know it is Tennessee football, regular season week. It's Vandy week. A lot of these great rivalry games and in-state rivalry games have trophies. I think Tennessee and Vanderbilt are just meh. You know, we're playing each other. You know, they don't really have a name for it. But, uh, you know, it's a nice classic in-state rivalry to end the season. You know, going into this season, I think a lot of people thought that this could be two teams that would not be going to bowls. Vanderbilt has lived up to that end of the deal. Tennessee certainly has not. Tennessee has clinched bowl eligibility. Uh, and, and already done it going into this game. So they don't even have to win this game to, to be bowl eligible. But the ball's opened as as big favorites, Clark Lee and those guys. They, they've been through it. They're playing hard. But, you know, Grant, I, and, and I do want to give credit for that because a lot of times it can be sort of dismissive, especially when you're talking about Vandy, because sometimes it's like, you know, God bless them. You know, they're trying, but it's just difficult. We all know the challenge is there. And, and when the rest of the SEC is doing what it's supposed to do, uh, it can it can normally knock, knock down Vanderbilt with relative ease, and that's what people are expecting from Tennessee on Saturday. We'll see if that happens. So I don't want to sound dismissive of it because I do think Clark Lee has done some good things. I mean, th- those guys look like they were just on the side of the road dead, you know, for that ETSU game. Buck, yeah, really took it to them. Uh, And then you know I lost that FCS game, and I know you look at the record and say, "Eh, "Have things gotten better?" Well, they have. They've won a couple games. They've played hard in some others, and and you know they're they're still out there plugging away. They've they've changed quarterbacks, and that guy's given them a little bit more uh, of a of a running threat, which is always a threat for Tennessee. Uh, So I, I don't think Tennessee can just completely take this for granted. I don't think Tennessee's good enough to do that.
1: No, they can't, and, and they're thirty-one point favorites uh, for a reason. And I think you've you've seen this this Tennessee team. I think we talked about it last week that that they really don't come out. They haven't really came out flat this season a lot. They haven't really there haven't been really games where they just completely no showed and rolled over and, and didn't really do anything from start to finish. I think that's something that even last week you saw putting a 60, uh, 60 burger on the board against South Alabama and winning that game the way they should win that game and, and handling their business. Uh, The way they shouldn't, that's what it feels like again this week. It feels like kind of uh, uh, you're just kind of going through that same thing again. I mean, this is, for a while, Vanderbilt, you know, traditionally this is what Vanderbilt week feels like for Tennessee football fans. You're you're a huge favorite over Vanderbilt. You're looking forward more towards what bowl game you're going to go to opposed to what you're going to have to do to beat Vanderbilt. And then you went through that stretch for however long it was, a decade where you really didn't know what to expect. Uh, at the end of the year against Vanderbilt and there were some really uh, humiliating losses mixed in there so I think for Tennessee to be a 31 point favorite uh, a couple first year head coaches obviously the the struggle and the challenge is always going to be completely different at Vanderbilt and I think Clark Lee's a a good coach by by his track record but obviously that that hill that those Vanderbilt coaches always have to climb uh, is a huge one and and what Tennessee the, you know, they had a huge hill to climb themselves in a, in a little bit of a different context, but they've done it in a big way. And they've, they've had seemingly had momentum along the way, regardless of, of wins or losses. They've just kind of kept building and, and kept kind of getting better and, and kept competing better and showing up better and preparing better, kind of all that stuff that you want to talk about, buying in and all that stuff. Uh, and it feels like the culmination has been these final two weeks where, where you can, you can beat up on some of the teams you're better than and, and look forward to a bowl game and, and trying to win eight games.
0: Yeah, I don't want to belabor this point because I did mention it this a little bit earlier in the week, uh, talking with 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 Patrick Brown, our, our other coworker, or one of our other coworkers. You know, talking about this game, and I mentioned a couple of the reasons. But in case you didn't listen to that episode, in case you just listened to the breaking Joshua Josephs commit one, and you didn't listen to the other Monday podcast, the the, the couple of reasons that that I think this could be interesting other than the obvious, which is the fact that Vanderbilt is an in-state rivalry. This is Vanderbilt's Super Bowl. Vanderbilt has everything, you know, has really nothing to play for at this point except for to ruin Tennessee's life. That's basically Vanderbilt. That, that's the totality of Vanderbilt's sort of, you know, goals right now. That's what they can do. So, so they, they want to try to do that. Uh, and, and that would really, really, really mean a lot for that program right now. It's been a tough year for those guys. So, so uh, on top of that, which is the obvious, Vanderbilt has done the one thing you can do in college football in the SEC to sort of kind of prepare for Tennessee, which is play Ole Miss directly the week before. And Ole Miss and Tennessee do not run the exact same offense. They, it's not the same thing. They do some different stuff. But in terms of spreading the field, uh, and I know Ole Miss does some more bunch stuff now, but but in terms of generally kind of spreading the field, running a crazy tempo, uh, th- it's so hard to prepare for what Tennessee does because Tennessee is almost like a service academy, but with SEC athletes, because what it does is just so different from what you're used to. That's why Tennessee's got that ridiculous first quarter scoring advantage this season because teams just don't know what hit them. It takes them 15 minutes to a few possessions to to sort of get used to what Tennessee's doing. Well, Vanderbilt's had, you know, the week of preparing for Ole Miss and now this. So the pace – should not be just jarring to to Vanderbilt, you know, because Van, you know, because Ole Miss has that pace, it's got those athletes, uh, it, it's you know a dynamic offense. So that that would be one thing if I'm Tennessee, because because what Tennessee's done so many times, Grant, we, we've seen these games all year, where in games like this, where Tennessee has really come out and supposed to handle its business, it's sort of done that, and it's usually done it early. It's really thrown some of those early knockout punches. And after 15 minutes, you're like, well, let's just go pop a cold one because this one's over. And, you know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the exact same thing this week. could be, but, I, you know, I don't know. It's just I, I think Vanderbilt's had a unique preparation o- opportunity that nobody else has really had.
1: As someone who's terrible at picking football games against the spread uh, after the last, I don't know how many weeks have, have proven in our weekly picks, God, uh, it feels like Vanderbilt's covering a lot more recently than they were mm-hmm. earlier in the season because yeah. I tend to pick one way against a team or for a team throughout the entire season and, and just see what happens. But uh, I, for Tennessee, the, the fast starts have been so good because if you can put consecutive touchdowns on the board or have a 21-point quarter or, you know, just two really quick touchdown drives, the other team starts feeling like you got to match points with this team drive for drive, and that's really can be a really big challenge because of how fast Tennessee wants to go, how explosive they can be, how many points they can put on the board. So when you start early and you're as productive as they've been in the first quarter all year, that really kind of sets the opponent back thinking they've got to keep pace and they've got to put up a lot of points on the board too, and it's one thing if you're a Georgia or Ole Miss, or you know Alabama, or whoever, it's another thing when you're Vanderbilt and you lost your season opener against CTSU and you've lost other games. Uh, you gave up a 35-point like quarter, I want to say, against Georgia, uh, a ton of points against Georgia in that game. I think if Tennessee starts fast and if they can put up some quick touchdowns on the board, if they can get a double-digit uh, advantage, I think it, it should be kind of business as usual. Um, the thing that would concern me is a slow start because the slow start is really not what this team's been known for throughout the season. So if they did look a little bit uncharacteristic, maybe that gives you a little cause for concern early on. But Tennessee, like you said, they're so hard to prepare for. Yeah. Facing Ole Miss the week before that does help you a little bit because you see some of that same tempo and same speed, but at the same time doing it two weeks, doesn't make it any easier to defend because both teams are fast. Both teams are going to go really, really fast, a ton of energy, a ton of, pace uh, from play to play so uh, I don't know Tennessee can start fast it, it seems like Tennessee should handle its business from the start
0: Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing that that does not at all concern me is, is will Tennessee sort of take this seriously because I think those questions were answered rather authoritatively last week and I know college football is a day to day week to week thing right I mean Heupel says it all the time it's a game of one week seasons and that's all you think about directly what's in front of you I get it uh, but if ever there was a time for a team to come out a little flat you know after you go through that SEC bus off for 2 months and and you play pit in that mix too and then all of a sudden you're you're a whatever 30 point favorite almost against South Alabama you know, on a cold night, you start to wonder. Okay, is the team going to be really that fired up to go again, or or will they kind of? Will this be the game where they're kind of, yeah, and they just do enough? No, they came out and were incredibly sharp. I mean, Hooker was what seventeen of twenty for three touchdowns, and you know the defense had a couple of big plays, and 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 it, it, special teams obviously had some really big plays in the game. So I think if you can be that fired up for that game, then I don't see why you would be anything less than fired up and ready to go for Vanderbilt the next week. Because, I mean, that's an in-state rivalry. That's a game that there's a lot of kids on this team from the Nashville area. And as guys like Theo Jackson can tell you, all it takes is one time of losing to Vanderbilt and going home for Christmas and hearing about it for you to never want to experience that again. Because that is humiliating for them. And, and Theo Jackson those guys will admit that to you, that going home, you're, you're a mid-state kid – you lose to Vanderbilt, you go home, you're going to hear about nothing but that the entire time you're home. And you, you just don't want to experience that again. That, that really humbles you and kind of, I think, steals your mind a little bit. So I, I don't think that will be a factor. Plus, I think this senior class means a lot to this Tennessee team and the people in that building. I mean, we know it means a good bit to the fans, but I, I just get the sense that you hear a lot of lip service about things like this you know, the seniors mean a lot to us and yada, yada. I, I actually believe it more than usual right now with this team because I, I think those seniors and what they've been through in the past four or five or six years and, and the stuff that they've overcome, the adversity, the, the, the embarrassments, and, and quite frankly when, what, damn near 30 of their teammates checked out and went somewhere else, they stayed. And I think there's something to be said for that. Some of them stayed through not one, but two drastically different coaching you know, carousel deals. And I think the way that they went into this season and the way that they've helped lead this team and helped this new program get started off the right way with the new tenure, I should say, I think those good vibes, I think the fans really appreciate that. I think the players on the team really appreciate that. And I know the coaches
1: sure as hell appreciate it. As they should. I mean, this this Tennessee team has just been so different than, than really anything we've seen the last decade or so. And, and there's been some really good teams mixed in there, um, some teams with a lot of talent, some teams that won games, some teams that took care of ball eligibility way earlier in the season, you know, whatever, that were nationally ranked, that were a lot more relevant than this team was. But for whatever reason, this team, it, it's felt kind of galvanized since everything happened uh, back in January, and the staff got here. And, and the staff really just started – Kind of preaching to them that you know you, you just got to give us a chance to earn your trust and, and do all this stuff, and it felt like they've they started that in, in February or whatever, whenever this whole full staff got here, and it's just kind of continually built towards what it is now. And, and actually, during the season, it's felt like it doesn't really matter what happened uh, the game before. They got beat up by a Florida team that turned out to be a pretty bad Florida team. They they got you know killed in the fourth quarter against Alabama. After, after putting up a pretty good fight for three quarters, they got kind of pushed around a lot in the second half against Georgia. Like it didn't matter what happened the week before, they just kind of reset and came out the next week as, as a kind of a similar version of themselves and kind of built on whatever good stuff happened the week before. So I think you're dead on with if you can come out and, and beat South Alabama 60 to 14, I don't think there should be any reason for concern after what we've seen through 11 games that they wouldn't show up, that they wouldn't be able to be ready to take care of business against Vanderbilt. And I think there's got to be a sense of pride for this group that nobody expects them to do anything. Nobody expects them to go to a bowl game. And and they could put another ton of points on the board and be a seven win regular season football team that, you know, has already scored, what, 60 twice, 60 or more twice this season has, you know, put up a ton of points on the board, has been a really fun team. Has a chance to, to set a program
0: record, you know, in terms of points right. per game. Yeah, right. or, or and points, I'm, sure,
1: too. I'm sure with Hypo, uh, you know, as long as he's here, there's going to be a lot of, uh, record kind of resets on the offensive side just based on the numbers he puts up, but still with this roster, with the lack of depth they have, with everything they lost in January, with you know just it is what it is. It's it's not a great place to be, but they've made the best of it. They've played a lot of good football, and they could be an eight win team at the end of the day if if they can go to a bowl game, if they can take care of business there, like they have in some of these regular season games. That's a huge accomplishment, not only for this staff, for this roster, for these seniors, for everybody involved to take you know, from not having much to doing quite a bit with it.
0: Yeah. And I'll say this too, the last thing before we go to break, I think when you're speaking of Thanksgiving and things that we're all thankful for on this day, I'm not going to speak for Tennessee fans at all, but I I get the sense uh, of being someone who, who deals with a lot of them throughout the week, pretty much on a (laughs) daily basis. We all do. I, I get the sense that a lot of Tennessee fans are very thankful for the way that Josh Heupel and his staff have had so many opportunities where they could have just basically not thrown in the towel, but they basically could have thrown sort of the players under the bus and said, listen, guys, we just we just don't have any depth at all. We don't really have nearly as many SEC caliber players as you think we probably should. They could have said a lot of those things, and and they might not have been wrong, frankly, in a lot of those situations. But they never said that. They, they, they never, other than the occasional passing reference when they were directly asked about it, did they ever once focus on what they did not have. They focused on what they do have. And I recognize that it's easier to do that in your first season when you've got good vibes, when you're in that honeymoon, you're playing with house money. And if it's the same thing in two or three years, well, well then maybe Hypel starts coming up with some excuses. I, I, I don't know. We don't know the future. None of us do. But, but but I do think that, at least for this season, the way that they have spent so much time focusing on what they do have, never focusing on what they don't have, at least when dealing publicly with, with media, when dealing with their players, they've just been positive and they focused on what they've had. and And I think that's I think that's really helped them in that locker room because there were a lot of times, and, and, and who knows, Grant, maybe they have frank conversations behind the scenes where they tell players, listen, guys, we have to play this way fundamentally or we're going to get our asses kicked. I mean, they might be saying that for all we know. We we, we don't know that. But it, in terms of when they're out there dealing with, with people, when they're forward-facing, that they just seem to be sort of positive and, and you know, feel-goody. And I think that's that's easier said than done when you, you know, know going into a week, I'm playing Georgia with this, I'm playing Bama with this, I'm, you know, I'm playing, you know, Ole Miss or Florida with this or or whoever it is, but they, they've just never done that.
1: No, I've, I've kind of always gone back to this conversation I had with uh, somebody in the spring who, who works in the athletic department. And I'd asked them about kind of their general impressions of high and kind of after being around them for a little bit and, This person said, basically, I went in the football complex one day and they were all sitting around and and he just kind of picked up a football and started throwing it with Heupel, you know, having a conversation. And his emphasis there, to the point for him saying that, was he's just like a regular dude. He's just like – he's just a normal dude. And there's not a lot of head coaches in college football that are just normal dudes. We've had some of them at Tennessee that are really good proof that they're just not regular people. And it it does feel like Heupel throughout this season has kind of just felt like a – He's very even killed. He's never too far up, too far down. He's just kind of the same guy that was talking to us before Bowling Green back in September that he is, you know, on vol calls the night before Thanksgiving. I think it's just he sounded like the same dude from start to finish, and I think you can see that um, is something that players appreciate because he's a guy that wants to, A, like you're saying, positive vibes only stuff. He's, he's always going to be trying to build and, and kind of focus on what he has, not what he doesn't have, uh, and obviously expectations will change in year two in year three and everything will be different from year one. But for the here and now, he's been a guy that said, you know, give me a chance to earn your trust. Give me a chance to show you that whatever I say is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be honest and be all this stuff. And it felt like he's lived up to that. And it feels like this team has kind of reflected that. They, they, this has been a staff that these players obviously want to go play for because you've seen it in the way they compete. And this is a roster that wants to play for each other based on kind of, you know, everything they've been through and everything they've done. Because of the way they compete on Saturdays and the way they do stuff week in and week out, and how they're pretty consistent, and how they come out and play football games and what they produce and what they put on the field, so I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's something to be thankful for because there was, you know, there was so much, uh, you know, from December to January to February, so much going on with this football program and where they're going to go and how they're going to get out of this to to be where they are right now, uh, is is pretty remarkable.
0: Yeah, and and it's sort of like. Um like like Jabari Small, I believe it was. It was definitely Jabari Small said last week. Said you know it's easy to go to work every day and and be happy about it when you're working you know for for people you love and people who love you and and it's they really do feel that they use that word love a lot and I think they mean it. I think there's a there's a pretty tight bond there. You know they Heipel said there's just the guys enjoy being in the facility all the time and, and they they. You know, at the end of the day, it's like they look at their watches and they're like, oh, man, I guess it's time to go home now. But, I mean, it's not like you're looking at the clock being like, oh, my God, when do we get to leave? And, you know, maybe in a couple of years, you know, maybe it's not like that. I don't know. I don't know. But maybe it's still like that and maybe they're winning big. You never really know because they, they, they're doing things that make you think, hey, you know, you get some players in here. You, you could maybe do some things. So lots of reasons to be excited. Speaking of reasons to be excited, though. Also plenty of reasons to be excited about Tennessee basketball, at least based off the most recent performance. The Vols had a bit of a dud uh, in the first game up there in Connecticut, but then they they went down there the next day and they took care of business against a Carolina team that I don't think is – elite but it certainly has that elite name there's no question about that and uh tennessee looked good doing it too a couple of those freshmen stepped up and and looked really good so we're going to step away for a second pay some bills listen to products ads services all that other fun stuff in-house ads all those other fun things come back in just a second and we're going to talk about that with grant who was up there in connecticut one of the few guys up there uh to talk about that to see that so plenty more to discuss coming up here in just a second hashtag ad Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ad you just heard from a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Grant Ramey coming to you from the Go Vols 24-7 Blount County Satellite Office down there in Merville talking Tennessee football and Tennessee basketball here on this edition of the Go Valls 24-7 podcast. Hope you're having a great Thanksgiving. Hope everything is going well for you and your family. Hope you're and your friends and, and hope you're traveling safe and taking care of yourself and all those fun things. Going to focus on Tennessee basketball in this segment, but before we do that, quick reminder, guys, take about, if you could, please, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, please go out there and and, and right now, just spend about 60, 75, 90 seconds of your day right now, Please go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening uh, on the Internet, if you're just listening on the, on the website, nothing wrong with that. We love you. There's no wrong way to consume this Go Boss 24-7 podcast. But what really helps us out is if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world – you can cast the fine pod you can find this 24 247 podcast and we do this for free and we're happy to do it no complaints off this end it's a labor of love but the one thing that we ask for uh, a couple things that we ask for go in there tell your friends go in there and rate and review and subscribe there is nothing else you can do that will help us add wolves to this wolf pack and he keep growing this thing exponentially as we've done for years now. I mean, I can't discuss them, but but specifically for, for, you know, CBS reasons and everything like that. But I can tell you the numbers are just fantastic compared to even where they were this time last year. I mean, it's just, you know, the, it's just growing all the time. And you all the reason for that. And we love you. So if you're already doing those things, thank you. If not, go f- yourself. That's our policy. It's unofficially official and uh, or, or officially unofficial, whichever way you, you choose to, to order that. And I'm going with that, and I think that's fair, and I think that's still in the spirit of Thanksgiving to say that. So please, please, please go out there and do that for us. Grant, you were, as we mentioned briefly in the first segment, you were up there in Connecticut at the Mohegan Sun last weekend to watch Tennessee play at the the Cheez-It Hall of Fame tip-off. I think I'm saying it correctly this time, uh, where Tennessee and, you know, fifth-ranked Villanova, sixth-ranked Purdue, and 18th-ranked North Carolina were all up there. Uh, Tennessee, as it's done uh, against its first kind of big game of the season against a really good team, turned the ball over a lot uh, in that first game, did not look crisp, did not look good, ran into a buzzsaw of a Villanova defense, could not get anything going, and got run out of the building. And and it was one of the ugliest first halves that I can remember seeing since that Tennessee – georgetown game a few years ago of which we dare not speak because my god that was brutal it was that bad of a day on saturday and then just what 24 hours and change later or i think about about that time tennessee goes out and just absolutely pastes north carolina 89 to 72 zakai ziegler welcome to college basketball huge performance from the pint-sized playmaker kenny chandler doing some great things uh, John Fulkerson showing some signs of John Fulkerson, Santiago Vescovi, the only, or v- Vescovi, v- Ves- Vescovi, whichever way we're going to say this, Bob Visco, Bob Vescovi, the only guy who played well in both days, so he also went out there, obviously, and played well Sunday, too. Lots of good things. Even I thought Olivia Kuma, who fouled out of that game uh, against North Carolina, I thought he did some good things with the time that he had out there. Uroš Plavsic did some good things when he had to be out there a little bit, too. They, they've, it was just a really good performance. And I think North Carolina's defense, charitably speaking, is awful, especially in, in in the paint. It's just bad. But for Tennessee to do what it did the day before and then the next day, without Josiah Jordan-James, by the way, to go out there and do that, uh, it's impressive. It is.
1: Let's, let's go ahead and get the elephant in the room. Vescovy versus Vescovy. Vescovy, I think, is the the – We talked to Santiago before practice on Wednesday. He doesn't care what you call him. When he got here, people who speak English, or at least Americans, say Vescovi, and he was fine with that, so he rolled with it. It's really where he's from and his family and kind of what, you know, in Uruguay, what he's called, what his family goes by, is more like Vescovi the emphasis on the first part of the word. So I don't know why Fran Freshila is reading his Twitter mentions during a broadcast. I don't know. Especially why. Vol Twitter,
0: man. What are you doing?
1: <laughs> I don't know why you would call the people idiots when you're calling a Tennessee game. I don't know why you call Tennessee fans idiots. I mean, that's a, you know, you do you, uh, Fran Fashila, whatever. That was just such a weird, I don't know. I was so lost in that. But anyway, yeah. I mean, this is November. Like you can go back to December, 2020 when Tennessee started the season with a really Impressive win over Colorado with a really impressive win over Cincinnati. And then they went out throughout the year and and really were a very unimpressive team. Inconsistent up and down, all that stuff. You can go back to 2019 when they went to Toronto and they beat a, a decent Washington team really, really soundly. I mean, they dissected that Washington team. They looked great that day. And then the rest of the year, they were up and down. They didn't have any offense, didn't have any consistency, all that stuff. So this is just kind of this is what November basketball is. One day you look like a world beater, one day you look like the worst team in the country. And they did look like the worst team in the country in that first half against Villanova. Now Villanova's a really good team. They're a veteran team. They're physical. Uh, they're big. They're strong. They're going to take charges. They're going to frustrate you. They're going to get your guards down in the post. They're going to uh, get. They're going to take charges. They're going to get your guards in foul trouble. And that's exactly what they did. That's what they wanted to do. That's exactly how it played out. I swear if they count that Kennedy Chandler bucket on the first possession as an and one, I think that game could have changed right there. Which, it, which it, should it should have been called I an and one. It should have been called an and one. I thought he signaled the and one. He did. Uh, maybe I'm mistaken. He did. No, he they, did. The first guy did. He, he signaled the and one very clearly. But anyway, you turn the ball over 14 times. You only score 15 points in that first half. You only make five shots. You go one for 11 from the three-point line, whatever. It's a terrible day at the office. And, you you know, sometimes it's a blessing to only have a 24-hour turnaround. And, yes, that North Carolina defense is awful. Yes, they can't guard a, a guard to save their lives. Um, but it's still North Carolina. It's a team you've played 12 times in Tennessee basketball program history, and you've only beat them once. And the last time you did it was 1949. You are still wearing belts. And, and you know, mid-thigh shorts on the court of the, in those days. Of course, of course, yeah,
0: now they're wearing mid-thigh shorts
1: again. The basketball still had laces, and, and John Fulkerson was in his third year of eligibility. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was that long ago. So to go uh, and to play the way you did, to put 89 up, to have Zaki Ziegler erupt off the bench and have the day that he had, to have Kennedy Chandler do what he did, to have Santiago Vescovi, to, to play without Josiah Jordan-James, who struggled mightily through the first four games before he missed that one, first three games, I'm sorry, to, to play kind of the way they did to find what they had with that three-guard lineup to to get some vintage John Fulkerson mixed in there. Um, there were a, a lot of positives to take away from that tournament despite how bad uh, those first 20 minutes were.
0: Yeah, you know, this, there were so many things about the guards that we could talk about, and we need to get to that. But, but I still, you know, it, it's kind of like a um, – I don't know if it's if you want to call it exactly a chicken or egg situation, but it's like does John Fulkerson shoot really well because he's so deliberate in the shots that he takes or, or, or you know, is he so deliberate and he's kind of costing his, his team more because he could be scoring more points? We could have that conversation all year long, and I'm sure we'll have that conversation again. But by God, just about every time John Fulkerson wants to take the ball to the bucket, it may not look like the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, but he can score when he wants to go in there and score. And in that game there for a while, he was also not doing much. And then all of a sudden he was like, okay, I'm going to score. I'm going to go get like six quick buckets or six quick points. And he can just do that sometimes. And that really, really, really helps out the guards outside. And it's like, why, oh, why? And it's six years now, so you're not going to change who you are. But why will you not do that more often? I, I, don't, I don't know. Grant, you know him better than I do. I know him pretty well. You know him really well. I, I just, I, I still don't understand that.
1: No, and it's it's gonna you know it's gonna be interesting to to move forward and see kind of uh, do you see some more of that vintage Fulkerson that you saw against North Carolina because for thirty minutes of that North Carolina game the story I was writing was John Fulkerson kind of showed up as as the John Fulkerson of old they they really needed him to be that guy that, that can that can beat the other forward down the floor and, and score on transition with a quick bucket. Uh, at the rim, the guy that can kind of use his footwork around the paint to get defenders in the air and then score around him and kind of be that guy that uses his quickness because obviously he doesn't really have that strength or that power that some of these other big men have uh, to score around the rim. And we saw a lot of that after we didn't see any of it against Villanova after one of those games where he only takes two shots. He scores four points and he doesn't really take over the way he should because they have big, strong bigs that uh, have a tendency to push him around and, and take him out of game. So uh it, that, that game just kind of became more of what Zakai Ziegler was able to do off the bench. But I do think when Fulkerson, like you said, is intentional and, and is deliberate with I'm going to score the, uh, the ball in the paint some, I'm going to help my team, I'm going to kind of get them started inside out. I think he can definitely score it because we've seen it happen too many times. But it's a with this team, as many times as they want to shoot the three, as many times as, as they can score it from the guard position, Um, It's going to be a question of how much emphasis there is to play inside out early in games, how involved uh, Fulky can make himself, because a lot of it is on John Fulkerson. It's the the same stuff we've been talking about for two, three years now. You can go back to that tournament in Destin in in November 2019, where he was saying, I'm not supposed to kind of, that's not my role to shoot it. And, And Rick Barnes was sitting next to him saying, yes, that is your role. You have to understand that is your role to be the guy that scores a ton on this team so it's it's going to be more of a blend it feels like this season but they're going to have to have that consistently
0: yeah so. a couple of years ago with with, with with folky or last year especially the, there were times where i got to a point where like you know i the things that your parents say to you when you're a kid and you keep doing the same thing over and over and they're like you know i'm not even mad anymore i'm just disappointed uh, because it's like uh, you dude you give so much to the program i can't be mad at you but how do you not understand what you need to do to help your team win? You got to go out there and use those skills you have, especially from the left side, and go up and under, use those spins, use those little fadeaways, you know, get get defenders up, beat them down the floor. He could do these things. He could average it's like uh it's like Barnes used to tell you know, Kyle Alexander every day in practice. Kyle, you would average at least ten to twelve points a game if you would just run the freaking floor and, and put those layups in. If you would just do that every single night, that's ten points every game you're starting with. Right there. Right there. That and, and how do you not get that? And and with Fulkerson, it's just, you know, he doesn't see himself as that guy. You can't go back and butterfly affect it if you'd never had the, that nasty injury his, his freshman year. How much different maybe things would have been. Certainly, he wouldn't be here right now. Uh, so, but but you know, you, you just it is what it is, and we know that with Fulkerson. So we'll have to see if he's if he's going to do that, and 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 we'll see and, and move on from there because we, we could. I guarantee we're going to have that discussion again because he's either going to keep doing it or he's not, and either way, it's going to be a talking point. But what was interesting, Kennedy Chandler was really good for a lot of that game. We expect that. Um, but a lot of people outside of of probably, you know, the Pratt Pavilion, Thompson Bowling Arena corridor there did not know exactly how good Sakai Ziegler was. And, and we've been trying to tell people, Grant, I know you have, I know I have, like, listen, I don't know if this kid's a world beater, but I guarantee you he's better than you think he is. Uh, he just shows up. And he is a pest. He's a pest defensively. He is really hard to guard offensively. He has great range on his jump shot. He's ridiculously quick. He doesn't fear anything. And that's how a dude who's maybe five foot eight does what he does. But to go out there and do it against Carolina, even if it's not a great defensive team, that's a name brand. To not be afraid there, I, I'm pretty. It's like I said last week, Grant. I, I don't know. I don't know how this kid is with like you know snakes and you know, mosquitoes and or snakes and, you know, spiders and stuff. But, like, as far as I can see, he's not afraid of anything.
1: No, and he- here's what you need to know about Zakai. He's never going to say this publicly. He's never going to admit it, I'm sure. And he didn't admit it after the game. But he went into that game against North Carolina, matched up most of the time against R.J. Davis. R.J. Davis is a New York City kid. Sakai Ziegler is a New York City kid. R.J. Davis was a top 50, four-star, five-star prospect. I can't remember which one. Nationally in his recruiting class with North Carolina, all that stuff. Zach Ziegler was a nobody in his recruiting class, almost gave up basketball. Um, he was really close to it. He, he didn't have an offer, obviously, until Peach Jam. Everybody kind of knows his story and how, how his process got really rushed to Tennessee, and, and suddenly he's here and he's doing this. But he went into that game, I'm sure, thinking, this guy is everything that you know. I wanted my recruitment to be and all the all the attention and the hoopla and all that stuff, and and he didn't get any of that. And, and Zakai feels like he's the real kind of New York City basketball prospect that that comes from a tough background that just kind of pulled himself up by kind of the bootstraps and all that stuff. And he wanted to go out there and prove himself. I'm sure because, because of just the differences in their, you know, basketball paths to where they are now. And I think he scored, you know, you can go back and look at it. He scored a lot of his points against RJ Davis. He crossed him up uh, once and, and yeah, drew, the foul, made, to the, and drew the foul. He made him look silly there. Right. And he's, he was bombing three point shots over him from, from deep. And when, when you're, kind of un, unrated, unknown, whatever. Um, as a prospect, I think people put a project label on you, like they're going to take this kid and see what he is down the road. Um, but, yeah, this North Carolina defense is not good, obviously. We've seen that. You can go back and look at the numbers, what they've done all season. But still, it's North Carolina. It's on a 24-hour turnaround. It's It's coming off the worst offensive game. They'll probably play for a long time against Villanova, what they did in the first half. And for him to go out and do that the way he did, I mean, this is game four for him. You know, people probably thought maybe year two, game four, he's going to do something like that. But for him, game four, to use his speed, use his quickness, uh, to use his shot-making ability, you don't have to tell that guy anything about how to score the basketball because he knows how to score the basketball. And what we've heard about him from the day he got on campus, fearless, knows how to score it, crazy quick, crazy fast, can get by you. And what did we see against North Carolina? He knows how to score it. He's fearless. He's crazy quick. He's crazy fast. He gets by you. He gets to the rim when he wants to. So if they can get any fraction of that consistently, uh, it completely changes the backcourt. Because what you saw from Santi all weekend, he was probably their best player, or at least playing like their best player yeah. for both of those games. He was. Uh, what you know you're going to get from Kennedy over, over the, the course of the season – uh, what you know, kind of how high his ceiling is and what he can do. Uh, if you can add just a fraction of what Zakai Ziegler did against North Carolina over the course of the season, uh, it completely changes your roster. It's,
0: it's amazing to think about. And if you go, anybody who's who's spent time in New York City or Chicago or any you know these these major cities, you go to playgrounds around those big cities, and you just watch some guys playing pickup basketball, like you're walking to the subway, you know, you're walking to whatever you're doing, and you watch and you're like, man, I wonder where that guy played college basketball. And you're like, no, he he didn't, you know. And and if Sakai Ziegler, let's say he sprains his ankle before that peach jam, let's say he gets the flu before that peach jam, he's probably not playing college basketball anywhere. And and it's just amazing how – how things like that can happen in sports. It's one of the many reasons I just – and I think a lot of us love sports so much is because of stories like that. And and from a practical standpoint, Grant, you know, it's sort of like you look at Rick Barnes' tenure, and I don't want to put too many – I don't want to paint with the broadest stroke here. But I think it's worth mentioning that Barnes' only Final Four team at Texas was early in his tenure when he had some of those, like, real kind of gritty – you know overachieving type chip on their shoulder dudes his best team at tennessee was one that he built almost exclusively with those chip on the shoulder blue collar overlooked dudes for some reason it seems like if you look at the times in texas when he had a bunch of the one and duns and they didn't do a lot and you look at tennessee last year the one and duns you know didn't have a didn't have the 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 greatest year but there's something about these kind of chip on their shoulder, blue collar, can take coaching, you know, really tough, gritty kids. He just seems to get the best out of them.
1: Yeah, what's funny? I, I was looking at Zakai's uh, Instagram the other night, and, and there's a video. There's there's three or four videos of him in one post where he's on a playground in New York, and he's basically just playing this guy one on one over and over. And in every video, the crowd gets bigger, and the crowd gets closer, and the crowd gets more intense. And it's like by the fourth video. They have no room to operate. It's super loud. It's it's a crazy environment. And I looked at the date, and it was like June, or it might it have been July, like early July or something. So when all this Tennessee team is you know on campus getting ready for the season, this kid is in New York playing on the playground with a ton of people around him, and he's just owning this dude. And I'm thinking, no wonder this dude is fearless, and, and no wonder this dude is would be a perfect fit for Rick Barnes to run his offense and and to be that guy that, like you said, chip on your shoulders, not afraid of anybody, is not afraid to you know, compete against anybody. He, it doesn't matter. He just wants to play ball. And I think that's the, you know, the DJ Augustines, the TJ Fords, all those guards that Rick has succeeded with over his career. He's going to succeed with Kennedy Chandler. He's going to succeed with Sakai Ziegler. He's got B.J. Edwards signed for, for next year. Um, it starts at those guard positions. And, and, you know, if you're going to have a really good team, you can't have too much guard depth. You can't have too much point guard depth. And right now, it looks like this team has a ton of point guard depth.
0: Yeah, at the risk of sounding like an idiot, there are, there are times where, you know, you, you, you hear about and people are already, you know, a little up in arms. Some people are because, you know, after signing those top five classes this year, you know, Barnes is and his staff, that they've, they've not had a, a incredibly productive year so far in the cycle, right? They, they, they just haven't. And part of me is thinking, well, is that such a bad thing? Maybe they go get some portal guys. Maybe they go get a couple of like these three star dudes who, you know, that he can just build into something. And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, maybe he's better with those guys. I don't know. I mean, clearly you would rather sign the top five classes every year. But there's also that little voice in my head that's thinking, you know, when he was at Texas and when he was at Tennessee, when they got started adding a lot of those burger babies, things weren't as great. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm assuming too much there but I, I I just think there's something to be said about the those sort of blue collar kids and, and what he can get out of them and, and Ziegler you're right I mean he, I don't think he's going to go out there and put up 15 a game or anything like that but I think he's going to have some games like that because I think he is a guy who offensively man he he is dynamic the the way that he can get his shot off the way that he can get other. I mean he threw that really nice um lob to Olivia Kumwa you know he, he he does a lot of things and defensively, he is a pest. I mean, you know, sometimes he's he's probably going to get scored over just because, you know, sometimes, you know, Mike makes right and it's just going to be what it is. But he is a nuisance. I mean, he's active. His feet are all over the place. He's like a little gnat buzzing around you. And now that Barnes is not afraid to play him and Chandler together or him and Chandler and, uh, and Bob Vescovy together, you know, uh, this kid's going to get some minutes. He is. And, and, and I'll tell you – Josiah Jordan James is in this rotation playing 30 minutes a game anytime he's healthy. But, you know, he might want to get back because this this, you know, you, you want to go ahead and get back because this team, uh, you, you don't want them to get cooking and you're sitting there on the bench.
1: No, I mean, that's that's the case for Josiah. Obviously, you need Josiah's rebounding a lot down the line, even if he is an ice cold shooter uh, throughout the season the way he started. You if you're Justin Powell, if you're VJ Bailey. You better be pretty good defensively, and you better be making shots because if you're not, uh, they can roll out that three guard lineup, and, and they can play that two man game on the perimeter with a with a guard and a big. And they they executed that to, you know, perfection uh, a lot of a lot of times against North Carolina with multiple guards with Kennedy Chandler, um, with Zakai, with multiple forwards with Olivier, even with Urosh. There's there's a couple possessions where Kennedy and Urosh just played a two man game where Kennedy got Urosh so open in the paint that he couldn't miss the shot. He just stood there and put it in, and that was it. And you're like, OK, if, if that can happen consistently, Uros can help this team. And it's not really anything Uros did. It's just how elite they were at playing that two-man game on the perimeter, the guard and the forward. I mean, there was one baseline drive where uh, Ziegler was, you know, going from left to right along the baseline. And he just had this little drop pass kind of threaded through two defenders. And Olivier caught it and dunked it. I Yeah, mean, that was a beautiful play. For a freshman, uh, a kid that just got here in August, and, and for him to be making those plays in game four, obviously that's a, that's a huge kind of hitting the fast forward button on kind of what you expect from this guy. It's not going to be a night in, night out thing, I'm sure. He's going to struggle a ton. But if, like I said, if he can give you a fraction of that. I mean, somebody I was talking to today was basically like, Zakai got here on campus and he went through his first practice and it was just kind of like quiet and timid and kind of did his thing. And the second practice, he just went after people and he just got, you know, he was there. There's no more of that timidness. There's no more shyness. He was just the guy being that fearless guy that was going to go after people. So I think if if he's accelerating and pro- progressing at that rate, um, I don't know what to expect all season long. But if you can get a little bit of that, that goes a long, long way.
0: Yeah, Josiah telling me that he was like, you know, that he shows up as this five foot five kid who looks 12 years old. And he's like, it's just somebody's little brother. And then, and then he goes out there in their first scrimmage, and he puts up like eight points in a row. And you're like, well, okay, no wait, this, this guy can play, uh, you know. So yeah, he's from he's an NYC guard, man. He's not going to fear anything. And and I'll tell you too. I mean, for guys like Bailey and Powell, I, I, I'm not worried about Powell so much. I, I think he is. I think he still has a has a dynamic ability offensively that this team absolutely will need. And I think he's going to be the guy that in the second halves of games when you get to like that. 12 or, you know, 13, 12, 11-minute mark of the second half when the defense is kind of tired of running up and down the court all day against that fast-paced offense. And then he can just sit there and hit daggers at that point. I think that's where he could excel is sort of in that second half, you know, 13-minute mark on in the second half. I think he can really hit some daggers there. Um, but I'll tell you, the guy who's got to pick it up is is Bailey. He, he's, you know, he, he did not have a good weekend. He just didn't and he's not the only one other guys didn't too i mean the whole team struggled except for you know Vescovi against against Villanova um, but he he he's got to he has got to he's got to do it pretty soon i mean i don't think they're going to give up on the kid but you know that 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 whole back the whole play in the backcourt where he wasn't paying attention the guy came and took the ball uh, he he can't he, he's been in college 5 years now he can't be doing that
1: I think that might have been him thinking that it was going to be an over-and-back call. I don't I don't think he would just give up on the play. I don't know. We didn't talk to him after the game. We didn't ask Rick about it. Uh, that, could, that could be a combination of things. Him, his thing is, if he's got a wide-open three, he's got to make it. He's got to make it at a huge, uh, huge percentage because his ticket to playing time is hitting that wide-open three. And I think that's the same for Justin Powell. I think he's hit more of those threes, but he's he's got some defensive lapses where he's going to have to get more consistent defensively to stay on the floor. But, yeah, for both of those guys, they're going to have to consistently hit the three. They're going to have to consistently make hustle plays. They're going to have to consistently uh, at least give the effort on the defensive end, uh, even if they do get beat from time to time, just give the effort, be in the right place, know what to do, go to the right place. Uh, you know, whatever the assignment is, you know, see it through. They're going to have to do that consistently to stay on the floor because what we saw against North Carolina was they have three guards that can play. And, and if they're producing, they're going to stay on the floor.
0: Yeah. And Bailey, despite being one of the three or four most athletically talented guys on the court every single game. Every single game Tennessee plays this season, Victor Bailey Jr. will be one of the three or four most athletic guys on the floor. I guarantee you because he is that ridiculous as an athlete. But he doesn't defend well despite being that athletic. So what he's got to do, like Grant said, he's got to make that shot. So we will see. I still think Bailey's going to have some of those random 25-point games and then have stretches where he doesn't do much for like four or five games. It's just going to be maybe who he is. As a player, Grant, before we get out of here, a couple of games coming up here in in the next week or so, starting Friday, uh, and then I got a game coming up again on Tuesday. These are games that sort of get right games, maybe you schedule them just in case things didn't go so great when you were in Connecticut and you want to get back home, get right for a couple games before you get back on the road and things get really tough. Really quickly because the, some of these games Tennessee's got coming up after that are are really really they're they're bangers, <laughs> they're going to be really good games. So I, I think it's kind of what like get right, get healthy, uh, keep keep
1: uh, keep being fluid the next couple days basically or next couple games. For sure, um, Tennessee Tech on Friday three o'clock. It's not on TV. Go ahead and get a, get ahead of that wave. Of, that, that's of a veteran questions. team. It's a veteran team. Though. It's it's on SEC Network Plus. It's on ESPN Plus. Yeah, it is a it's a veteran team. It's John Pelfrey. It's an experienced head coach, obviously. Um, I think they're 2-3 and three this year. Um, yeah, these are games, Tennessee Tech on Friday, Presbyterian on Tuesday, where you, you want to take care of your business, you want to do your thing, you want to get a lot of guys minutes, you want to stay healthy. Um, something for Tennessee kind of keep an eye on, jo- Josiah Jordan-James had flu-like symptoms Sunday against North Carolina. He didn't play in that game. He had a torn ligament in his finger on his shooting hand against Villanova on Saturday. That was also a factor on Sunday, so that's something they're still trying to get an update on, waiting on. I think that's something where surgery – could be a possibility. I think it just depends on kind of how, I don't know, how the body reacts or I don't know, whatever, moving forward, how much how much he can handle. Poor guy, with man. That. But that just sucks. <laughs> it's just, just the same stuff over. I mean, Folky's had terrible injury luck for 600 years now, but Josiah has not had it any easier with ill time stuff either. And also, I think there's a flu bug that's, that's going around this team. I think there's a couple guys that mispractice. Uh, on on wednesday so this time of year that's something always always to keep yeah, an eye you on. Wonder,
0: you wonder about coming back on that charter flight you know that's a really small plane coming back from new york and you got josiah in there and you probably can't wrap him in cellophane or anything so
1: yeah right and i think there was we were told there was a walk-on that that traveled with him that when he got to connecticut he tested positive with flu like symptoms he tested positive for the flu i should clarify yeah uh, yeah after be, the be last very couple careful years. be very careful yeah but, yeah, Tennessee Tech, regardless of who's available, take care of your business, handle that, Presbyterian, same thing. doesn't matter. Whoever's available, you need to win that game. You need to get a lot of guys' minutes. You need to stay healthy uh, and get as much experience as you can for guys at the back in your rotation because after that, you go to Colorado on December 4th, uh, and they'll go straight from that game, their first true road game of the season, and they'll fly to New York to play Texas Tech at Madison Square Garden. And you've got uh, Memphis coming up down the road in Nashville. You've got Arizona, one of the most impressive teams so far Man, this season. they look good. Yeah, that's going to be a – it looks like a really different team or game now on December 22nd at Thompson Bowling Arena than it did a couple of weeks ago. So this this uh, non-conference schedule is loaded. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch kind of where this team goes from night in and night out.
0: Yeah, I described that Arizona game as, uh, even if I'm technically on paternity leave, then I might have to <laughs> come cover that game just because I really want to see it. So, you know, we, we, we shall see. But, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of – I hate that for Josiah, last thing I'll say before we get out of here. I mean, again, I, if you're to be around Josiah Jordan-James is to really like Josiah Jordan-James. He is basically a consummate professional who happens to play college basketball. He is absurdly mature beyond his years. He is a guy who puts in the work every single day without question all year long. He does everything you want him to do. He does it the right way and he just has had the past couple of years just terrible terrible injury luck to his shooting hand and you know when your shooting hand is hurting basketball not really a good thing and you can't really blame anything in terms of training or anything like that I mean it's a torn finger ligament I mean what do you, you know what do you what it's just horrible luck
1: it is it's just not good one day it's going to click for just I don't know where it's going to click if it's a Tennessee or if it's you know, down the right line in his basketball career, but he's too talented. He works too hard. Like you said, he's got the right approach to the game. He's got his head screwed on straight. It's going to work out really well for him at some point. It's just a matter of when it happens.
0: Yeah, and I hope it happens at Tennessee because that would be good for Tennessee. And it would be good for him because that would mean it happens sooner because I don't want him to be a guy who has to wait until like maybe a second NBA contract before he – starts to figure out who he is, you know, as a player and everything clicks for him because it's, it's there. It's always been there, but uh, Grant, we've taken more than enough of your time on Thanksgiving. I know you got a lot to get to. we got a lot of, I guess, fried turkey in your case uh, to eat and sweet potatoes on this end. So unless you got anything else, buddy, I think I'm gonna let you go.
1: I do got something else to all the, to all the other Christmas decoration and Christmas tree and Christmas music holdouts to post Thanksgiving we made it. Congratulations. Another year successful. You didn't put your tree up. You didn't put your lights up. You didn't have Mariah Carey blasting in your house. You made it to Thanksgiving. We didn't go straight from October pumpkins and Halloween candy straight into candy cane to Christmas trees. We took the time to give Thanksgiving the respect it deserves. Congratulations.
0: Yeah, uh, This year we, 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 made the, we made the deal that my wife said, in case the baby came early, she didn't want us to not have the Christmas tree up. No. So, so hold on, hold on. The, all,
1: all I hear is excuses right now. All you're not, you're not letting excuses. me finish.
0: The 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 deal that we made after protracted negotiations was that we could put the tree up downstairs and the the smaller, and a couple of the others around the house. But there were no ornaments of any kind to be placed on any of them, and no no lights turned on yet. But the Christmas trees themselves could go up. That was. So it just looks like, you know, just kind of a tree sitting there in the in the living room. So uh, that that was the negotiation that we came up with.
1: Better luck next year. There's a lot of us that aren't very proud of you right now. Um, yeah. But you know what? It, it, it just, it is what it is. You know, you, you got to prepare better next year. You got to work a little bit harder. Um, you know, all those coach speak things to, to have it come out a little bit better on the next the next year.
0: Better luck next year. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Happy Thanksgiving, man. See you, you too. And if I could just find that button, there it is. Now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks to Grant for joining us, but since he sucks, I will say even more. So thank you to y'all for listening. And happy Thanksgiving. Happy start to the holidays. Hope everything goes well and I hope you're safe. So thank you for listening to this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. You can find all of us. On social media, I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news in your feed, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash 24 247 You can also go to facebook.com slash 24 247 to get tons of stuff on there all day, every day. But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the tap, go get that. At GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, lots of stuff with those guys these days. Lady Vols coverage with Maria Cornelius throughout the year, all year, giving us all sorts of great Lady Vols stuff. And not just basketball. All the other Tennessee women's sports, too. Tons and tons of good stuff on there. We got two forums that run round the clock. We got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and talk about anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world in pretty much every single time zone imaginable. All five of us who are on the staff, we have different hours when we're normally up and up and at them and operating. So pretty much any time of day, you can go there, talk to us. One of us is going to be there to, to have a little fun with you and chat with you. You can get all of that. Plus, you get access to the, the, the database, which is one of the best in all of sports, best recruiting database on planet Earth. All of that, all of that, plus all those couple dozen fresh content items every day, things from the best network in the business, all of that. For less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month after a seven day free trial. That is all it costs. And if you pay us that ridiculously reasonable rate, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus, a growing behemoth of a streaming platform that has every show CBS has ever made commercial free, tons of Paramount Plus exclusive shows that are only on there, hence the word exclusive, Wes, you moron. All of that. All of that. I mean, I'm talking A list stuff too. All of that's on there. You get fresh movies that are only on Paramount Plus. You get classic movies. You get stuff from the archives of CBS, obviously, all of it. You get MTV, BET, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, Smithsonian. Something for the entire family there. Live sports, including Tennessee stuff, SEC, PGA Tour, NFL, Europa League, obviously Champions League, Serie A, World Cup qualifying, all of that for free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we're giving you for nothing. So we're giving you basically $350, $400 worth of stuff for like 100 bucks a year. Go check that out. No supply chain to worry about either. Just go to govals 247com and we will point you in the right direction. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from us after the game on Saturday or early Sunday morning. Until then, be good to each other. Have a Happy Thanksgiving. Safe travels. We love you out there. Just be nice. The world's got too many mean people. Have empathy. See ya.